Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. I am glad you're here. I'm even more glad Jesus is here. Amen. How many of you just wouldn't mind falling in love with him a little bit more while we're here? Amen. Me too. Me too. I, I actually plan that in my heart. I, I'd like to be accused of loving the Lord even more this time than last time I was here and even more. About, I mean, wouldn't you like people actually to see the love of God within your life? You know, we have been, uh, most of us in this room, uh, in fact, let me say all of us that love the Lord are sent by the Lord into our community every week. And our community needs a, needs the light of Christ, Matthew 5. I, I, I don't know about you. I have trouble when I read when Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Because I think, no, you be the light of the world. No, but he has assigned you that we would be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, that something in the way that you and I have been changed by Jesus. By the way, I want him to change me a little bit, even while I'm standing here. Some of you are hoping to God that'll happen too. But I'm also believing the Lord to change you. Amen? Because the word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide bone from marrow. Well, maybe you could divide a little bit of flesh off me today. Come on, do you pick that up during the week too? You know, I mean, I kind of, I'm one of those people that need church. I need community. I need to sit under the word to let the word refine me. And, but you know, some of you kind of, I'm around you and I think, I think you could go like a month without being trimmed. I'm one of those people that, I, I mean, I get into the word every day. And there's a good reason for it. My wife likes me better when I actually let the Lord do a little trimming. So how many of you would just let the Lord do something new in your life today? Amen? Amen? In fact, I feel a little uncomfortable saying let him. Could we even invite him? You know, I mean, when someday you and I are going to stand before God. And quite frankly, I think we're going to be odd. And we're going to, I mean... I don't know what your culture will say, but my culture, I don't think I'd say dude. But I think, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, come on, how long will you say whoa, whoa, whoa? Huh? Listen, and we'll, we'll chuckle a little right now. You're going to do it too. I mean, part of us will think, yay, I made it. <laughs> his grace is real. His mercy is real. Amen? Tell the lies in your soul that stuff. Amen? It'd be shoved back a little bit. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to kind of halfway continue on what we were doing yesterday. I mean, in other words, we wanted those of you that weren't able to come out to get a little bit of what we got. All right, now I want to tell you, the the men of this church that came out, I don't know, there were 4,000 men, no, there were, I don't know, 40-some men that came out. I think there were actually, you said 41, I thought there were like 48 or something there, but uh, maybe there were a couple of angels sitting there too. But I, I got to tell you, hungry, hungry, 
hungry for the Lord to do work, and they shared their lives openly with one another. And I thought, you know, as good as they did, the women could not do an equal job. And then the women show up. I was intimidated by their openness. I mean, dude, I, you know, did I do okay yesterday, ladies that were there? I mean, they, you know, I gotta tell you, men, it's scary when you're like the only guy in the room and they're all looking at you. Just what are you gonna say? And I had a few things that were sensitive to say. They, they actually applauded at one point and God bless them, you're so very kind. I just, uh, but we want to take some of what God was doing in us yesterday was lifting emotional stressors. It was doing a work of healing, uh, and in some, a work of deep healing in their heart, really kind of furthering it. I kind of look at it like we're on a journey. He's, he's trying to grow us up every day because he loves us so much. Do you know that? So we're going to look at six elements today, but I want to set you up. So would you turn with me a little bit? Uh, to the book of John. I'm reading from New King James Version. And, and this is a familiar scripture. In fact, somewhere in my memory, I have, because it's such a dear scripture to me, almost a hallmark scripture, that I've probably shared the basis of the scripture before with you, but not going where we're going today. All right? So this is, this is the wedding that Jesus first attended that's recorded. And it's the first miracle that Jesus ever did. Now, by the way, in case you don't know it, the God that we serve actually cares about people, and he likes to be with people. And I don't think he's like a slot machine that, you know, you win the lottery every time you say hi to him or something. Come on. In other words, he happens, I'm going to say something a little dangerous, and Bernie, you spend the next month cleaning it up, all right? (laughs) He happens to think his being in our life is worth something to you. Do you hear me? So it's not what God does. It's who he is. You understand? By the way, we can let any relationship deteriorate to the point of it's what we do for one another, not who we are with one another. I've been married... For 44 years, Benita would say, I heard her say the other day, we've been married. Somebody said, how long have you been married? 42 good years. I thought, no, she got it wrong. We've been married 44 <laughs> 44 years. And so being the brilliant man that I am, I said in front of that person, no, Benita, you have it wrong. We've been married 44 years. She said, I stated it correctly. <laughs> It was really her mother's fault for those two that weren't as good. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a long ride home to Modesto today. But, but here's what I was thinking. Sometimes in even a marriage relationship, it gets reduced from, I can't wait to be with you. I love you so much. Now, this is a good part, right? Then we'll get to the reduce from. I love to be with you. I love to look in your eyes. I thought about you today. I couldn't, I was anticipating this very moment that we're together now. And sometimes, if you don't pay attention to things, it reduces to, 
while you're up, would you get me the TV remote control? Would you fix me? Hey, <laughs> you're going to get yourself a hot chocolate. I'd like one too. It, it shifts. How many of you understand what I mean? And by the way, if you want to, those of you that are married, if you want a good relationship, make it about their presence again. Do you understand? You're quiet. Come on. I'm not meaning to get you in trouble. But make it about the touch of their hand. Make it about, hey, kissing them again. How about lingering long enough to feel that kiss? By the way, that's an instruction from the doctor. I'll write you a prescription. Tell your honey, he told me I'm to linger long enough with our lips locked, baby, that they mean something again. Okay? But listen, it happens with the Lord too, where it becomes not so much about his presence, to seek him, to find him, to love him, as much as, oh Lord, are you here? The Bible's promised that you are. Will you do this for me? Now, by the way, I've got a list. Come on, how many of you have some miracles that are in need? Well, listen, this is a miracle that happened because he was invited, okay? And you might remember this is, and you'll have to clean this up too, but he turned water into wine. I mean, I don't know why he made so much beverage. And, but, but, and it's interesting, first miracle, beverage service. Now, I want to tell you, I, don't, I have a problem in my life, and it still exists today. You can clean this one up later too, Bernie. Sometimes, even though, by the way, I am, regardless of what the story you're about to hear about my life, I am a born-again, spirit-filled believer, okay? The Holy Spirit is in me, yay, and has released his gifts in me, yay. I know his presence. I spend time in his word. I got to tell you, there are times when I have a need where my first reaction is not taking it to him. Because I have a little bit of, oh, I know how to do that. I, I'm with my 92-year-old stepfather two weeks ago who has a motorhome that he has not driven for 25 years sitting in his driveway except to go get it smogged every two or three years. Last time he hit the accelerator because of the brake and hit the garage. So this time he wants me to drive it over. But he, the smog places that way and he wants me to go that way and go get it filled with fresh fuel and so we did that. Go to start it at the gas station. No start. Nothing. Not even, wah, wah. I mean just, da, 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 da. nothing, nothing. Sweet lady comes along. Hey, can I, can, can I help you? You guys look like you're having a problem. <laughs> yeah, it does. Anyway, can I help you? It looks like you need a jump. She has a truck. Yes, that would be great. Let's see if we can. We thought it was the battery. Wouldn't start. Wouldn't even turn over. Wouldn't even turn on. Not even a click, click, click. Thought, boy, this battery must be really shot. Go inside. He's 92 years old. He's kind of having a fit right there. All right? I mean, he's... He's all shook up. It took me 30 minutes 
of wondering how before I was willing to pray over the motorhome. I tried it several times. I finally reached out, put my hand on the dashboard, and prayed that God would help us start that motorhome. I'm not kidding. This is not coincidence. Fired up, drove it over to the smog cliff. <laughs> now, by the way, it wouldn't restart. I said, it's a bad starter. I said, I figured, but it's at the right place now. Thank you, Jesus. My stepfather, who's kind of, kind of a gray zone new believer, said, what did he say? Somebody is looking out for us. I said, clearly, it's Jesus. <laughs> I'm not going to say somebody. But I know what he was trying to say. Listen to this. Let's just read it, and, and I'm enjoying myself too much and should be on my six points by now. Jesus, verse 2, was invited to the wedding. Would you say invited? They ran out of wine. Mother, Jesus said, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Would you say that with me? Whatever he says to you, do it. And there were six water pots. That's what we're going to talk about today. There were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. So he, he's about to make a lot of vino, all right? Verse 7, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the what? To the brim. And then verse 8, kind of down to verse 9, is an apologetic scripture. It's proof that nobody was doing something funny with it. He said to them, draw some out now, take it to the master of the feast. They took it. Master of the feast had tasted the water, which is made wine, did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Verse 10 is important. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine when the guests have well drunk than the inferior. Do you know why? How many of you know why? They're inebriated. All right. They've been drink. They don't. They think they were drinking good wine. Now they brought out the Target box stuff, and they just don't care at that point. All right, and it, but he says this to them: "You have kept the good wine until now." One answer. Ask a question. Had they kept the good wine until then? Raise your hand if the answer is yes. Come on. How many of you would say no? They had nothing. Okay. Jesus is able to take something that is a nothing. And when you invite him in, and when you decide to listen to him and do life his way, and you do it his way to the point where you're filling it to the brim, you're a brim filler. You've decided to take it to the highest level you know. In other words, you're gonna seek the Lord and do life his way. He will take the places of emptiness and discord in your life, and he will make it the best you've ever known. Yay. But you got to invite him into it and listen and do it his way. So I want to talk to you about six water pots. It'll be miraculous if I'm done in 23 minutes, but I will be. The first one is in, that I think of, of, of that 
water pot that needs to be filled in our lives so that we live a emotionally healthier life would be, first of all, one of patience. Would you say patience? I think I hate that word, but patience. My wife, for 44 years, has been saying, Robbie, you need to grow in patience. I said, I know that's why he gave me teenagers, growing in patience. But listen to this. I want to define patience differently for you, but still according to a real definition. Patience is saying, not only is it a place of love and acceptance, but I will not try to change things about my spouse. But I will instead modify my behavior that annoys them. How many say that's a pretty good definition? Huh? In other words, patience. I've given up. <laughs> Sorry, this is funny to me. If you're married, it's got to be a little amusing to you. I give up on trying to change her. Benita, listen to this. Patience would be your giving up on trying <laughs> to change me. You know, I got to tell you, we had some of the worst fights we've ever had in our first year of marriage. I mean, they were fiery. How many of you would say the same if you're married? How many would say the same? I mean, fiery. You know what? I remember one day I was being rebuked by the Lord. And I was reading, you know, do you guys ever just kind of read through the Bible in a year? You know, that sort of thing? Nobody? Anybody? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking at you just like you're looking at me. All right, so remember that. So I, I, I got to Genesis. It's when the Lord said, let us make man in our own image. And I sensed the Holy Spirit say, Rambi, do you realize that you have been in a year-long crusade to make Benita into your image? <laughs> I want her to agree with me. I want her to think like me. Come on. I want her to want what I want. I want her to like to go golfing. <laughs> Did you hear that? I, I, I want her to like to go motorcycle riding. I want her to like to go get sushi. That woman hates all that stuff. <laughs> she wants me to go to garage sales. Do you realize the real cost of patience? <laughs> it would be saying that I would instead go to the garage sale because I'd like to be with her and I wouldn't make obnoxious comments. How many of you in here are married? Raise your hand. Oh, wow. Dude, we're talking to the right crowd right here. <laughs> How many have been married longer than 10 years? I could have said five. Do, <laughs> don't raise your hand. This is rhetorical. But how many of you have some, some things in your spouse's life that annoy you? <laughs> Patience, I'm serious about this. It's actually the fruit of the Holy Spirit listed in Galatians 5. Patience. Patience is saying, I will look at what 
annoys them and actually work on my life. But I will, I will cease trying to change my spouse. Most of us have figured out it doesn't work anyway. Come on. You know, patience, patience. One person said, Pastor Robbie, when I got when I was dating, there were some red flags, but when I got married, it became a black hole. (laughs) You know, things that things that can just bother you a little bit, you're sure they'll change. Oh no. Seven times worse (laughs) when you get married. But listen, that's why God has called you to be patient. That they instead are loved. You know, because maybe what was cute or almost a nuisance can become can become a burr. And the Lord would say, reset it. Learn to accept him. I just say, Lord, would you do a miracle right now where there's been impatience? Come on. Am I speaking to the right group of people in that? Raise your hand if this means something to you. Yeah, thank you. You put up both hands. That ministered to me. Even waved at me. Patience. Lord, through your Holy Spirit right now, return relationships to healthy, godly patience. Impatience must go in Jesus' name. Amen? Can I, I'm going to use another word, but I better hurry because I'm only done with one of them out of my six. But Lord, help me lovingly tolerate my spouse again. Do you hear that? Help me lovingly, lovingly tolerate my spouse again. By the way, Benita and I aren't fighting until she hears the next one again. And that is the water pot of respect. By the way, I couldn't help but think that these water pots that we're talking about were set there for the purpose of, anyone remember what the word says? Purification. Getting us ready. That's what it is. Getting us ready to stand before the Lord. This is another one that just, as you learn patience, as you learn to give up your lifelong endeavor to change everybody around you. The only people I'd really like to change are the people in Walmart parking lot. All right, but beyond that, Lord, help me be a source of your love. Amen. Okay, respect, respect. I will, I will not act or speak in a way that demeans or ridicules or embarrasses my spouse. Now I had to ask Benita this because I wasn't about to stand before you and be hypocritical. And I said, Benita, we had a talk, didn't we? I said, Benita, do I do anything that demeans or ridicules or embarrasses you? Notice I didn't say, have I ever? Did you notice that? Because I knew I was going to ask her this, so for two weeks I've been really good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Benita, and she, she went one by one. She heard every word I said. I was hoping for a quick no. She went a little slower. She said, let me think about that. No, you never demean me. Is that what you said? And she said, and you never ridicule me. And by the way, I think part of that is I grew up in a very demeaning, ridiculing family, and 
We had to bind that sucker and kick it out of us. Come on. It wasn't a way of entertain. It was a way of entertainment, but also it was destroying relationships in our family. And so she said, now, embarrassed? She said, I, I've come close to being embarrassed, but she said, you really don't embarrass me. Okay, thank you. So I got an A grade or at least a B plus in that, all right, as I stand here. But I want to say something else about respect because it's a, it's a powerful word found in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter number five, when it says, wives, see to it that you respect your husband, okay? Now, I have a rule I live by. Some of you will not agree with it. Hold, be mad at me, all right? But think about it. I know some of you would say, I, can, I, I demand respect, whether I'm living respectable or not. I want to say, I think you need to live respectable. Because if you look at the verses before that, it, it's, it's, a, it's a directive. It's not a suggestion. It's talking about husbands and wives submitting one to another, being subject to one another. Then it, as if men didn't hear it clear enough, it three times talks about husbands loving your wives and as Christ loves the church. Now, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but this is the church, part of it. I mean, it's worldwide. Huh? By the way, part of our church is in the Ukraine right now. And I know some of them personally and been crying over them. And I know part of the church is in Russia. Really good people there. Some of them are trying to stand and protest their own government right now. You pray for them. Send the strength of the Lord to them and guard them and provide for them because there's, there's Russian people. Don't turn against Russian people. There's good, godly, Jesus-loving Russian people going through the pits right now. And same, of course, in Ukraine as we would know. Okay. But I don't know how I got there, but I enjoyed going there. But, but in, in the book of Ephesians, love in the church, you know, as Jesus loved the church, so also I love my spouse. Well, it ends with this, but I wanted you to see it in context. And it says, see to it that you respect your husband. Now, I don't think this is true in every family, so please don't think I'm imposing this. The danger is that I would think that something that happens between me and Benita, I would think everyone goes through and they don't, all right? But I'm going to tell you the truth about me and Benita. I have very little to put up with with that girl. And she has a whole lot to put up with me. You understand? Now, by the way, ladies, there are some of you that are really hard to put up with. All right? You're like me. <laughs> You're the challenge. And it can sure be easier to respect somebody when they own their stuff. You hear me? So I have to say I'm sorry a little bit more than Benita. But it's not, a, I'm sorry, isn't a word just thrown out there that really means shut up. You know, I mean, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm sorry, is that what you wanted? You know, and you think, I think I could translate that in another language and it means shut up and get on with it. You know, rather than I hurt you, I see what I did, I'm asking God to help me to work on it. Huh? You know, but, but it leaves this word respect 
and in a practical sense. I mean, you, there's many definitions on it. There's fingers of respect means I protect you. Respect means I will never speak ill of you. Do you hear that? But it also means when I look at you, I don't look at you looking at every failure that you've ever, that I'm ever aware of, seeing you through those eyes of failure. Instead, I look at you through the eyes of what God is doing in your life now. Now, by the way, some of us came out of some pretty crummy families. Yet the Lord would maybe even say, hey, I want you to learn to honor and to respect your parents. Now, that was a challenge for me because, well, hard to respect an alcoholic who's a woman, womanizer and doing all these things, etc. except the Lord wanted me to see my dad through his eyes. You understand? And to be able to look at him and know that he could be in the place by the way that he eventually got. That is, he went from agnosticism to a life sold out for Christ. Respect. Lord, miraculously, Take the emptiness in the respect vessel and give us eyes that see people with who they can be. Amen? And that we don't remind them every time we look at them with every failure that they did. How many of you got something on that? Okay, good, because that's only two of the six. The third one is kindness, all right? The vessel that we need to fill up, that we need Jesus to, to do a work of a miracle in, and that is, I, I will be kind. <laughs> Would you say that? I will be kind. How many of you say, that's enough for me? I've already gotten convicted, and I'm ready to grow from here. How many of you could grow in kindness? Here, let me start over here. How many in this section could grow in kindness? You know, even my wife put her hand up. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to ask her after church, what does that mean? How many of you, this section, really? Wow, I'm so proud of you. How about over there? How many need to grow in kindness? Okay, I'm going to talk about it anyway, just for a couple of minutes. But kindness, it's, it's eliminating any trace of meanness. Do you hear that? I can have... I hate to expose myself in front of you, but you invite me back once in a while anyway. But I, I have a look that can be mean. <sighs> you know, do, you, do any of you have teenagers at home? Raise your hand. Do you have a look that can be mean? Uh, it's a look. My kids used to say, Dad, you have a look that could part the Red Sea. You have a look that could kill. Now, by the way, on the one hand, that can be rather flattering, rather empowering. Good, good. All right? Don't cross me. <laughs> you know? Now, by the way, the only time I say I want that look to come out, don't pick on my wife. I had a neighbor that used to come over, and he'd want to scream at her at the front door. Oh, no, you don't. You understand? There's a time to draw a line. There's a time to have boundaries in our life. Boundaries are healthy, yes. But, Lord, would you take the meanness that comes out in, <laughs> in unhealthy ways out of my life? I mean that right now. Amen? 
Lord, take the meanness. Because there's a place maybe for it when we protect our family, whatever, from some vicious thing or whatever the case would be. But Lord, I want to learn to walk in that fruit of kindness that, that my behavior <laughs> and my speech will be kind. And the first recipients of it will be my family and the friends around me and my church community. Do you hear me? And by the way, where you have not been kind, you might say, well, Rob, already I'm batting, I'm, I'm three strikes out. You're on the third one. I'm almost done with the third, by the way. But, but you know, listen, this is the place where we invite God to come in and touch our flesh and say, Holy Spirit, come and do your work. And it's the owning up. I've been mean, and I don't want to be mean anymore. You know, I, I want to talk about an act of kindness, and then I'll roll those last three into one minute or if I have to. It, there is a story of a man that was filled with shame in the Old Testament. It's, I might get the reference off, but I believe it's 2 Samuel chapter number 9. And it's the story of David looking for Mephibosheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth. Come on, you try and say it, all right? <laughs> anyway, Mephibosheth. Say it with me. Mephibosheth. That's it, okay? What's interesting is Mephibosheth had been on the run for 15 to 20 years because he was Saul's grandson. He had been in the palace, and it was the custom back then, and still in custom in some weird countries today, they kill, if the king dies, they kill all the family so there's no heirs apparent. He'd been on the run. In fact, at five years old, his nanny grabbed him, according to, I think, chapter four in that same book, his nanny grabbed him, and, and she apparently dropped him, and he became lame in both of his feet. Okay? He's living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means desolate. It's a, it was a desert place. He goes from the king's palace to living in Lodabar. He goes from being an active little boy playing in the trees in the king's front yard or something, and now he's at a place where he can't hardly walk. And he's on the run because he knows he'll be killed if he's found. And David, which is a type of Christ, in other words, it's this story is supposed to, it was a real story, but it's supposed to represent us and Jesus. David calls a man, Zibda, as I recall. And he calls Zibda and he, because he knew Zibda had worked for Saul's household. And he said, is there any living heir? And he said, yes, there is. <laughs> He's living in Lodabar but you don't want him. Why don't I want him? He's disabled. He's not the kind of person that the king wants. And he said, I do want him because of the love of Saul. The word kindness is used two times, verse 1 and verse 4 in that chapter, and it means it's pronounced as said, actually, <laughs> said, said, he said, you know, H-E-S, I'll stop trying, all right, said, say said. 
and it means unbreakable loving kindness. David wanted to show unbreakable loving kindness to a man that was broken and on the run and bring him back into the king's palace. And in fact, when he did, and I know that Bibiseth was frightened because he knew he deserved death in front of him. And he said, no, you're not getting death. I came, I brought you here to show you kindness. I'm restoring all that was your grandfather's and I'm giving you more. Now you're a governor in my nation. But you will sit and eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Now listen, there's somebody in here I know in my heart. It's the reason I've gone a little longer on this one. And you don't know that God is kind. And you've been on the run. And the Lord is saying, I have sought you out to show you my loving kindness. And I've seen you in your desert places. And I've sent messengers. It's like angels on assignment. I've sent messengers to bring you home because I want you to sit at my table. That's kindness. And I pray that every one of us, when we leave this place, because I look at this like a giant minister's meeting, we go out into the highways and byways where we live and we show the redemptive coming home kindness of the Lord. And by the way, and that that kindness is also extended to the people that are closest to us. Amen? Okay. I got two minutes. You want me to mention the last three? Thank you. Otherwise, Pastor Bernie waits longer to invite me back. The fourth one, the vessel that we need the Lord to fill up is just is grace and mercy. And let me share grace a little bit. How about mercy first? Mercy, the mercy of the Lord is not getting what you deserved. And I'm meaning that in a really good way. You know, one day, my son, I walked out of church and he's gonna be in this next service and he's a big guy now and has his own family and kids. Hopefully won't beat me up for telling the story. I'd gotten a new Volvo, first new car I ever owned. I came out of church, and it's he and another friend that was coming over were playing tag as he and his friend ran up and over my new car. You don't do that to my car. Maybe, they'll, maybe you don't mind if somebody does that to yours, but I was torqued said, when we get home, you're going to get three smacks of the belt on your rear end. So I'm trying to fasten forward. His friend comes with him, and, you know, we eat a little bit lunch. And, and I, you know, they were in the other room. I said, hey, it's time for your whooping. And he comes up. Well, it's Arizona, and they were playing on swimming all day, so he's got his swim trunks on. Josh, what are you doing with your swim trunks on? Well, I was getting ready to go swimming after I get a whooping. I said, well, you're going to get a whooping, but you don't do it with swim trunks on. Go up, put your blue jeans on, and then stuff them with a magazine and come back down here. Because I always say what I mean and I do what I say. You're going to get a whooping, but you don't want to do it with swim trunks on. How many say, that's a half picture of mercy? 
one day with his older brother, he was in trouble, and I had him in there and had him even lean over the bed before I got him, gave him a whooping, and I smacked the bed instead of him. I said, now, knock it off and go be better. That would be mercy. Jesus took every whooping we had coming. He took it, not us. That's the mercy of God. Wow. And then there's grace. Grace means I got from the Lord that which I didn't deserve, the good. All right. Lord, fill our hearts with that and the understanding of your absolute love. Amen? And then just just the fifth and sixth one, and that is faithfulness. You be faithful to your spouse and and to our friends, too, in all times. I, I want to be faithful to the congregation that I serve. I, I, well, I'm here, and I mean this. I love your pastor. I'm a faithful friend to him. And he speaks of your faithfulness to him as well and how he is to you as well, but faithful. And then lastly, um, and that is forgiveness, forgiveness. And I, I just want to pause on it a minute. I'll do a better job next service, I hope. But uh, faithful forgiveness, it's, you know, how many times can you offend a person and they still forgive you? You know, Peter thought he was really reaching for it. I just like Peter because he says what I would have. How many times do I forgive somebody who's wronged me? Seven times? You know, and by the way, come on, let's be real. How many of you in this room, if somebody offended you twice, <laughs> You'd be thinking of cutting them off. Come on. Anyone like that? Okay. Three over there. Anyone over here? Okay. Thank you. Thank, I think they're more honest than, no, anyway. All right. But I got to tell you, you know what it tells me? He's talking about family when Jesus said, not seven times, 70 times seven. And he, by the way, he's not really asking you to keep a scorecard to get up to 490 and then let him have it. He's just saying, listen. I forgive you, and there is nothing that I hold against you. No debt, no debt, no debt. And by the way, when I stand here before you, no one owes me anything. Do you hear me? I don't have anyone in my life that I have unforgiveness for. I'm a free man. He's filled my vessel with that joy of ability to forgive because he forgave me. Yay. All right, enough. I will, one more half word, can I? Thank you. And that is, I wonder if some people who have trouble forgiving themselves really sometimes have trouble forgiving themselves because they've not forgiven others. But both are needed. Amen? Okay. Close your Bibles and let me pray. And Bernie, would you mind coming up while I pray? Lord, thank you for a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you that you take emptiness, empty vessels, and you fill them. Just want to ask very quickly with you right there praying with me, is there anyone that you said, Pastor Robbie, in one of those vessels, maybe more, I need God to take emptiness and fill it. Raise your hand. Come on, bravely raise your hand. Hands all over. Keep it up for a minute. Lord, we just even raise our hands to you kind of like a cup that would say, fill me. 
fill me. And you name what it is that you need. Lord, some of us are forgiving others. Some of us are taking a new place of respect. Some of us are learning to shut our mouths with meanness. And, but Lord, we say, take the meanness out of our heart and deliver us. And, and Lord, make places of peace in our relationships with others that we truly become peacemakers in Jesus' name. Put your hand down for just a minute. Believing there for a miracle, though. Is there anyone here, anyone online, you're away from the Lord? Hey, he loves you. Give your life to him today. Make a decision. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And that's you in here. You're away from the Lord, coming back to him. You want to close the gap. Or, or you just making him Lord for the first time. Lift your hand, high and proud. Yeah, I see that. Let me see them all. I want to acknowledge them. Wow, yes, yeah, sir, and sir, and sir, and yes, yeah, sir, and sir. Wow, a lot of men. Yeah, proud of you, ma'am. Wow, thank God, yes, sir, wow. Just while you're there, yes, sir, amen. Hope I didn't miss anybody. Yeah, 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 you got it. In fact, Jesus, just flood them with your love. Just tell the Lord right before I lead you in prayer, ma'am, I see that now, yes. Just tell the Lord, I love you, and I want you in my life. Come in my life. Even before I lead you in prayer, just tell him that, because he loves you. So right now, say this with me, and it's going to be a prayer commitment to him. Dear Lord Jesus, and all of you say it with him too. Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. Today I declare, I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And I dedicate my life to you. I've sinned against you. Forgive me, Jesus. Thank you that you do. <laughs> Wash me clean. Deliver me from where I've wrongfully been. And thank you. As I give you my life, come in my life and live in me. Shape me. Make me yours as I become a seeker of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank him for that work right now, amen? Thank him. Give him an applause. He's doing that. He's doing that. I love you all. Good to see you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.